You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Topco. Business Unusual. Welcome to um, this week's Topco Business Unusual podcast. Today I'm joined by Thomas George. He's the Managing Director of Wipro in Africa. Um, he's all the way in Bangalore. I'm in cold Cape Town. I think he's got the better deal. Um, this is our second actual attempt at doing this, by the way. So um, our first attempt, we, I had some technical issues with my uh, my Wi-Fi. Um, it was actually my wire to my phone that didn't work, believe it or not. We figured it out, by the way, Thomas. <laughs> so it's great to have you back for the second edition. Um, how are you doing? Good, Ralph. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, good to be back. You know, the, on your on your podcast. Yeah, I, I think there's so much to talk about, it. and and we were talking about it earlier. I think it was like three weeks ago, but so much has sort of happened in the world of Wipro and and even the world at large. Um, but you guys have had some fantastic results. Um, it's so funny because I saw it happening actually before our podcast when I was doing that research about the growth and where you guys as an organization are going. And and you could see that there were some massive changes happening within the organization. And I suppose in a way, I wanted to talk around those. But but since then, what we've seen is is that we've seen the results come out. We've also seen you've, you've won a couple of international awards. And it's really that, that validation of this journey you've gone through. And since then, almost, it's quite funny, really, because I know that you help organizations throughout the world even in Africa, on their digital transformation. And I suppose in some ways that's part of the story of, of your success is actually Wipro's massive transformation over the last year. Um, there's no better you know, uh, recognition than doing it yourself and helping other people of something you've achieved. So, I mean, it's quite, it's quite spectacular, really, um, what's happened to the organization in the last sort of 18 months. But I mean, do you want to go through maybe the beginnings of Wipro and, and you know, you're telling me how it, how it originated. Do you want to go through that sort of quick journey with us? Oh, absolutely. Hello, Ralph. Uh, so like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we started uh, in 1945, primarily in the consumer business, right, as, as an organization, right? Um, uh, we, we used to manufacture vegetable cooking oils. And and that 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 was the start of Wipro as 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 the organization, a very India-centric organization at that point in time. Uh, we moved into IT, you know, towards the late 70s and early 80s, you know, and that, that's a time in in India, for example, uh, we had MNCs, the multinational companies like IBM, uh, etc., and uh, to to create to create a local demand for local organizations. Um, I think there was a lot of support provided to local companies to get into multiple fields, including IT, you know, and Wipro used that opportunity to, uh, to, to start its journey in IT. And we started off as a, a personal computer manufacturing company, the hardware you know, company. So we used to have our own brands, 
the Wipro brand of PCs and you know stuff like that, right? Uh, we started on that journey as a hardware company, very focused in in India, and uh, towards towards the early 90s is when uh, the, the, we saw an opportunity to become global, you know, especially because of the Y2K, you know, kind of uh, challenges that the world was seeing, right? And India did have a, a lot of technical talent, you know, available, you know, thanks to the the, the engineering uh, uh, focus that that the country had, uh, the education focus that the country had. So there's a lot of talent available, uh, especially in the IT talent on the IT side. And uh, there was a significant cost arbitrage, you know, during that time, you know, when you look at the West to, you know, uh, to India. And that is when uh, we started exploring global business, uh, right? Uh, and most of the Indian companies then went global uh, around that time. And we made it big. It started off with Y2K and then we started off, you know, moving up the value chain because the Y2K was more down the value chain, right? And, and slowly post the Y2K issues, you know, then when most of the Indian organizations started becoming more global and started moving up the value chain, you know, more towards the, the consulting side of things, you know, the transformation side of things, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if you look at if you look at the Western organizations, uh, the the Accentures of the world or the IBMs of the world, uh, they learned a lot from us in terms of how offshoring works and offshoring works successfully, right? How, how do you take job from an X country, move to a Y country, and get the job done, right? Uh, which which based on talent availability, cost arbitrage, so a big success, and that that is something that we mastered you know, during those days. But eventually, you'd see the Western companies, you know, learned how to do offshoring at the similar model, right? And our challenge was now, you know, to catch up with them, which was more that, uh, you know, get, get into the consultative space of things, you know, uh, the domain areas uh, and transformation, you know, kind of areas. So, so I think both had its own different, you know, journeys, the Western organizations and the and the Eastern organizations. But eventually, I think we all became global. I think we all understood from each other how 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 business works, and there was a learning, a lot of learning that uh, you know kind of happened. Um, we've been uh, we've been uh, uh, coming to the restructuring side, you know, or, or or the transformation that we kind of went through. Uh, we've this 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 transformation that we went through around six months back, you know, is is possibly the the biggest change that Wipro you know has seen. Uh, since since its inception in the IT you know business right and uh, it it was fundamentally to try and the, the whole objective was to try and simplify the organization all right uh, theory came in theory a new CEO uh, joined us from Cap Gemini you know, and as as you're aware he's, he's he's a French citizen currently based in Paris but uh, but he will eventually be moving to New York uh, but uh, he one of the major drivers was you know in terms of how do we Make the organization more agile, right? Um, we we believe that uh, our structure was limiting the pace at which we were working or the pace at which we are responding to the market, right? And and that kind of was impacting our growth story. So so while we we were a growing organization, our growth was not in line with some of our peers, right? And uh, I think one of the bigger challenges was uh, the structure. You know, that we kind of had. So, uh, so theory uh, had a, a big drive in terms of how do we simplify the structure. So, so we used to have multiples of PNLs, you know, within the organization, right? Uh, which which was creating a huge amount of you know complexity, right? You know, and we had multiple axes. You know, we had the industry axis, we had the 
horizontal or the services axis we had a geography axis right and uh, and and between all these axes somewhere uh, you know uh, things fall between stools you know so so that 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 was one problem uh, and we 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 made it very simple we made it four pnls you know across across yeah. the current wipro you know, there are just you know four geographies or what we call the strategic market units you know and um, the americas are split into two what we call as americas one americas two which one the one pnl each of them europe is yeah. one and then we have uh, the the fourth uh, strategic market unit which is uh, the acmea as we call it you know which is the asia pacific you know uh, middle east africa uh, which includes india asean countries you know etc that's a fourth you know uh, strategic market unit so we we just simplified it and under each market unit there are these geographies that we focus on you know like for example within acmea we focus on uh, africa middle east etc which which are you know uh, which are run as independent pnls you know within the each of the smes yeah. so so we we brought this entire complex organization into four pnls right and with just two service lines you know which are the horizontals right you know yeah. one is what we call the ideas you know business which is largely around um, the application digital design right data analytics etc they're typically on the transformation side of things and the second one is more what we call as i core and i core yeah. is 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 largely around infrastructure services you know cybersecurity services and uh, and and what we call as digital operations platform which typically is the bpo you know business yeah. you know, the business process outsourcing so we kind of brought the entire organization into four smes and two gdls the global business lines as we call it yeah right? uh, which was uh, which was a big change you know that we made and the whole process the the people who are close to the customer you know uh, in in the new scheme of things are become far more empowered you know to 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 address what the market you know wants to address what the what the customer is looking for right and uh, i think that is that is helped uh, look quite significantly and it's quite evident in terms of um, you know the, the results you've seen for yourself you know if if you look at yeah. uh, the last uh, last three quarter results uh, has been probably the best we have done in probably uh, a decade or so right yeah. uh, there's been a significant uh, significant uh, improvement in terms of our entire you know order book in in terms of a pipeline and hence the revenue right yeah. you know so i think the markets have have uh, reacted very positively uh, yeah. if you if you follow our share prices it is gone off the roof right yeah so it's doubled yeah. yeah i mean that's a good sign sentiments up i mean profits up 35% sales is up 12% but the good thing about the sales being up is normally sales is up because of acquisitions or whatever it's been natural uh, growth that's driven that sales so that's definitely what you're talking about getting close to the customer yeah absolutely so you know we uh, and well, like you rightly pointed out uh, i think the organic growth that we experienced the right has been tremendous you know in the last uh, you know two three quarters right but uh, not only that you know we also have been fairly aggressive in terms of our inorganic acquisitions you know the, the mna part and one of the largest acquisition we made was an organization called capco no yeah. and uh, we spent almost uh, 1.2 billion dollars you know in making that acquisition the largest ever wipro uh, wipro's acquisition is uh, they are largely in the consulting space in the the banking side 
you know of of, of things right it's uh, so that's 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 also is good so it's it's been a, a pretty much i would say uh, it's been a very bold wipro right the new wipro uh, it, it's it's quite bold whether it is in terms of our our hunger and our distinct uh, to go into the market and win new business and also from yeah. a point of view of uh, looking at uh, uh, good profitable assets which will kind of complement our you know our our entire uh, offerings into this market so capco is one such good uh, you know uh, good acquisition that we made uh, because yeah. they come with a huge amount of domain capability in the banking side right yeah and that along with, combined with wipro's technology prowess you know uh, it, it's a, it's a great story you know for end to end uh, banking client Right. So it's it's been it's been a it's it's been a mix of both, and I think in both these parameters, whether it's organic or inorganic side, I think you've done you know very well. Congrats, yeah. And and you fitted. I noticed that he he wasn't shy to sort of call some strong leaders in the group, and and obviously, you know, we were saying earlier that your prominence has got bigger. You're taking on the Africa agenda, which is a great opportunity for you. um what, what i mean and we talked earlier you were saying how you enjoy being close to the to the market the customer to your people um how important is that now for leaders to have that appetite is it something that you look for now in leaders yourself is it something that the organization that's part of your values yeah absolutely i think i i think being close to the customers is is uh, is extremely important you know in in, in any business I, i would assume and especially so uh, more so for our business right and it's it's extremely important that um, the the uh, the the client or uh, or wipro understand each other very well right uh, understand the, the capability that you know both can bring together understand the the challenges it's important for us to understand uh, the client challenges because we are trying to solve business problems you know for our clients right so it's it's important to understand what uh, the the business challenges are uh, and and there is this uh, underlying trust and you know uh, this thing that is extremely important in, you know in terms of uh, when we do business with any of our key partners right so i i still think that being close to the customer is very very important but uh, uh, but yeah. what the pandemic has also taught us is that uh, you know probably the physical distance you know may not make too much of a difference as long as uh, you know you you are always in touch you know with with, with your clients right um but yeah to to come back to your question it's it's important to be you know close close to the customer to understand the nuances uh, for me for example to understand the africa way of working right and you know yeah. africa is is uh, it's a very complex market right i mean if you if i just look at the entire continent every country has a different way of working right So I was going to discuss this with you but it's so funny because actually yeah people say Africa and they say now every country is different in fact we were talking earlier about Cape Town Joburg and KwaZulu-Natal even being different like you've got all these sub cultures within each country as well so it's interesting for me that um you're looking after such a big continent that is so complex and so it sort of gives me that sense of what is driving your understanding to to empathize or to relate to these different cultures and to succeed uh so um see one of the key things that we do you know, as as an organization you know anywhere anywhere that uh, we go to right any any country that we go to uh 
is is like you rightly said to understand the nuances of of the local market you know uh, right uh, to understand the local nuance the the economic priorities the government priorities etc are very critical and it's important to be part of that system uh, you know to to be able to to give back you know to to society to give back to the that particular country and that in my personal experience also has has been one of the critical success factors that we have had you know as as an organization now especially in my last stint where i used to run a business in 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 saudi uh, i don't know whether i shared with you the last time we spoke but um, saudi is is one of the countries which has been extremely nice to us you know we we've had a very successful run uh, there we still have a very successful you know business running there and we are the largest global player in the in that particular market right uh, what we did you know apart from simple things like localization and, and stuff like that you know which anyway today in most countries that you go you continue you you need to do some of those things right you know, to be able to survive in that particular market right uh, what we did in saudi is that during this 2015 you know time frame when when the oil crashed you know from 100 dollars per barrel downwards to you know sub 30 dollars right yeah uh, the kingdom went through a huge challenge you know because obviously that that economy is driven by oil right yeah and when oil got so impacted um there, there was a big big challenge and it was a new regime that time you know uh, yeah. the the king salman had taken over the right uh, crown prince mbs uh, you know had come over and then the oil price crashed and then all this uh, all the geopolitical issues also started happening you know we had mn issues you know coming up uh, uh syria was getting escalated etc etc so saudi went through a huge amount of you know challenge during those you know 2 3 years and that's when they yeah. came with this entire vision 2030 as they call it you know in terms of yeah. how do we transform the country you know in, in you know, from being a very oil led economy yeah. to to you know something which uh, which uh, is far more diversified right and uh, yeah. and it's not just the industry per se you know it is it was also do for example to do with um, uh, you know, how do we bring in far more uh, social entertainment into the kingdom right you know uh, how do we get women into the mainstream you know for for sustainable economic you know development you know etc etc so there were there were, there were multiple uh, challenges that they were trying to address and and overcome and and, and the vision 2030 you know uh, outlines that in detail uh so one of the things that we did right as as an organization you know also to align with you know the the real vision of the kingdom um was we took couple of priorities of the kingdom you know one one of them was how do we make saudi a, a knowledge hub you know a, yeah. a, a knowledge factory which yeah. probably can address a, a lot of the arab speaking you know nations right yeah how can we make saudi a large outsourcing hub right and 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 if you if you recollect um, uh, many years back you know egypt was a very promising you know uh, outsourcing hub for a lot of arabic speaking nations yeah right? uh, but obviously egypt went through its own challenges so uh, so i think a lot a lot of you know businesses scaled down there and yeah. you are looking at can we make saudi you know a, a kind of a knowledge hub that is point number 1 point number 2 is how how do we get women into mainstream you know can we can we look at employing you know women in it right yeah or 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 ites uh, enable services you know etc right so that was the second thing third was that there was a real challenge in terms of um, employment per se 
you know in saudi because saudi has a good amount of young population right and uh, with with oil being where, where it was or where it went down to uh, maintaining subsidies etc was a real challenge right so the third was how do we how can we create more jobs you know in the in the kingdom right uh, so we were trying to address all this and uh, we we uh, the women's the world's largest women's university you know is in riyadh you know it's a university called you know, princess noura you know, university and uh, they happen to be a client of us right there are some 55000 girls who study in that university um aramco is is uh, obviously you know aramco is is again the backbone of you know uh, saudi so any large you know programs in in saudi arabia typically aramco does the program you know management so aramco was the advisor to princess noura university you know to try and see how is it that these girls who study in that university when they pass out uh, how do they get uh, jobs which which could be you know relevant to the education right you know, that is one um second thing is that being having the the subsidies cut off and and princess noura university was a heavily subsidized university women education was a top priority you know in the kingdom but it was a heavily subsidized university so the question was how can how can we ensure that uh, the university gets a revenue stream uh, uh when the subsidies were actually getting cut you know because the government couldn't afford those kind of subsidies you know anymore so they wanted to ensure that uh, pnu the the university creates its own revenue stream and obviously the the two assets that they had was uh, obviously the, the the student population you know obviously that was uh, an asset uh, and the second was um, it's a very sprawling university so real estate was a great asset that they had you know it's it's in a prime location huge you know uh, real estate that they had so we kind of worked along with you know pnu and with aramco uh, because both also happened to be a uh, large clients of us uh, and we created a, a a company called the women business park right yeah. it is a it, it is a all saudi women company right uh and and the the whole purpose of of this company was was to address some of these things you know women employment you know uh, and it's a it's a joint venture with the university so and hence the university gets a revenue stream you know from the business you know that uh, that happens and what we also did was that um, in in kingdom per se if i were to look at it a lot of jobs used to go out of the kingdom you know because yeah. uh, because of lack of local talent availability right you know things Skills, like yeah. yeah things like for example one of the critical thing was how how do we get into manufacturing you know how do we get into petrochemicals how do we get into uh, various other things you know build new airports build new theme parks right smart cities you know etc so so typically organizations uh, who do these kind of design kind of work are global organizations they are the americans koreans you know kind of organizations right so they take a lot of the work out of the kingdom you know into that respective country uh and a, a lot of post design that happens there's a lot of it involved you know which is typically what we call uh we we classify it as product engineering uh, but typically around uh, design or as well drawing as we call it cad cam etc these are mm. all simple downstream things you know that can be done right so while the core design goes into a different country uh, which is the company's ip you know whether it is a hyundai or a devu or a floor kbr whoever they are the core design is their ip so it goes into their respective countries where they do all the design etc but the downstream uh, post design you know could be done remotely 
right it could be it could be done uh, many of them did it in their own country right uh, but many of them further outsourced to countries like india or philippines or you know etc to get these things done so our objective also was to try and get those jobs back into the kingdom so mm-hmm. we said that you know in the women business park we'll create that cadre of skills right uh, which will enable these organizations to bring those jobs back you know into into the in, into the country and uh, obviously there were incentives you know the government as part of vision 2030 there were incentives um, you know for getting jobs creating jobs you know in, into the organization so with the help of uh, ministry of labor aramco etc we were able to bring in a lot of these jobs you know back into the kingdom right yeah now this is uh, the reason I, i spent some time here because this is a classic example where you actually align with the spirit you know uh, and it is not just a tick in the box of okay you know i've localized i've got 50 more people 100 more people uh, who are locals but actually this is a, a little beyond that right and i think that is a roaring success for us right we yeah. we pretty much became a household name you know uh, because somebody's daughter wants to be part of it somebody's uh, you know uh, wife wants to be part of it etc and it is a it is something which was very important to saudi you know women getting back into mainstream you know employment right um uh, so we really help in in spirit and and that's what we try and do wherever we go uh how do we help in terms of aligning with the actual country's vision right yeah. and so so in case of you know south africa for example you know if it is uh, the triple b double e you know or the employment yeah. priorities right you know how do, how do we align and how we how can we create you know yeah. uh, more employment here right and one of the yeah. things i am doing for example in, in in south africa we are attempting to do is that yeah. south africa is not seen as a major global it destination right you know i mean if i were to look at uh, obviously india is at a very large scale but if i were to look at uh, romania or the philippines or mexico or you know some of those you know places yeah. uh, south africa probably is still not on that entire global map right Uh, of being a, a a destination for it you know yeah. as a destination for offshoring right yeah so one of uh, the priorities that we are also carrying is is how can we elevate you know south africa into a status uh, you know of of becoming a global destination now if I, if i were to look at some of the key parameters that we look at there are things like for example the uh, time zone always favorable right uh, Yeah. it's very aligned to europe you know it's it's good uh the costs costs are you know are are, are pretty competitive right yeah um now talent you you get talent in certain pockets you don't get talent in certain pockets but uh, but talent creation is all about it, it's it's a process by which you 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 create cadres you know you create talent over a period of time right and we we are wanting to invest in that you know and how how do we create you know a local cadre of of technical capability and we are trying to showcase this to our our global clients you know today who are doing work from elsewhere in the world and also trying to invite them to come and say that hey listen you know why didn't you you know also look at south africa as a potential destination all right and um, and i've been having multiple conversations with the you know some of our global clients and uh, we believe that we are very close to bringing some of these global logos into south africa as as uh, as 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 a, again a destination for them to do some of the it work right and 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 you also know that because of the pandemic uh, people also want to spread their risks you know they don't want to put all the eggs in one country or xyz right you know so they just want to make sure that uh, that uh, the risks are spread 
and it's a, i i i i certainly believe it's a great opportunity you know for south africa for example uh, especially on the the technology side sure i mean i was going to say cuz you're mentioning vision 2030 we've got a vision 2030 you're mentioning unemployment we've got high unemployment <laughs> so it's it, there's i could see why they've they've given you this role in south africa and and i was going to ask obviously you see some big opportunities in south africa because of the our capabilities because of our time zone because of our costs and skill because we also see there's a big drain a brain drain happening in south africa so the skills that we do have we find it's very competitive in terms of overseas and a lot of those skills are moving offshore instead of staying with those capabilities so i think one of the big organizations like amazon that's coming instead of like a data center and some other stuff but i also know you're making big investments in things like cloud and all those sorts of capabilities what do you think the strategy is for you to win in south africa because if i have to look at our vision 2030 and we did a conference around vision 2030 for about 5 years mm-hmm. i would say that probably the biggest challenge is is been um the coordination of getting government and business and academia to work together like you did so successfully in Saudi what 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 lessons do you think you could bring to how we bring those different groups together yeah no no you're right i absolutely i think the 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 best success you get when when you're able to bring you know three three pillars together you know you know the the, the government the, the industry as well as academia right yeah and uh, and, and and try to Uh, have a very nice collaborative you know kind of a, you know model right now um what what we what we did in, in, in saudi is is it's something which which can be replicated you know there's no there is no rocket science in terms of uh, you know being able to do that uh, it, it just that you know we we need uh, to ensure that everybody has the same amount of uh, appetite and skin in the game uh, right you know it is it is not just somebody one person taking the load and the rest mm. you know not taking it when we did something like this women business park we yeah. wanted somebody to be an anchor you know in that right you know so yeah. and, and uh, whether you call it an anchor client or whatever so so we we were able to find an anchor obviously there was a lot of uh, government support that kind of you know came in you know to encourage localization uh, to yeah. encourage uh, uh, create incentives for people who come and outsource work into wbp you know women business park etc so i think the those those are things that would be required right uh, yeah. my focus right now in 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 south africa uh, is is to try and get get a little more scale you know for ourselves right yeah um uh, in in a place like saudi you know we we had a very dominant position you know we got into a very dominant position you know in in saudi so it, it becomes easier when you have some scale right and yeah. to be able to create more you know talent pool uh create more scale etc etc now my first priority is to get that you know uh, a scale and and i think uh, uh, we've been a little behind as as far as uh, compared to against some of our you know peers right yeah uh, but i think that is something that's fast changing and what i've i've seen uh, my team do in the last 2 uh, 3 quarters i think has been quite significant you know in terms of some of the new logo acquisitions that we have made right you know we set up a we set up a customer excellence center in cape town you know for example and hopefully you you would be seeing a lot more news about us in terms of setting up new development centers 
you know in yeah. south africa and these are these are all against you know uh, some of the the large wins that we are expecting you know with with uh, with our you know clients so the first first priority is to is to come up to some scale but but having yeah. said that we we are also uh, talking to some of the you know the universities you know to try and see because the moment we we get to some sort of a scale for example uh, there is some opportunity that we are currently talking about where i would need to probably onboard some 300 people you know very quickly sure yeah um, we are talking about another opportunity where we'll have to onboard close to around 150 to 200 odd people right uh, one yeah. one one being in uh, cape town one being in joburg right so so obviously we we need to ensure that there is a talent pool uh, i mean there is a supply you know you, we need to have those relationship with with, with the academia with, with the universities so currently we are in the mm-hmm. process of establishing those relationship i think it's still work in progress you know we don't yeah. have uh, we have not yet reached a stage where we have signed an mou but that's that's yeah. a very critical <coughs> component in terms of our growth strategy you know because we need to ensure that we have enough supply you know that that uh, you know kind of uh, coming we yeah. also have our own internal uh, talent transformation program as we call it or we can call it a finishing school or you know something like that you know in terms of yeah. how do, how do we get if you get fresh talent you know graduates yeah. you know, stuff like that how how do we ensure that we get them productive as quickly as possible you know because obviously when you move from 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 studies to industry obviously there's a big change yeah. right that yeah. people have to be productive as early as possible so we yeah. are trying to bring in our talent transformation engine also you know into 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 the country so that uh, we do that finishing part you know well yeah. so that we can absorb yeah. talent uh, who can quickly be you know uh, productive right um, yeah so see these are some of the things that we are doing i think heavy focus on on localization Uh, right mm-hmm. currently currently we mm-hmm. are uh, running at around uh, 69% if i reflect the number right you know who who mm-hmm. are locals okay right, in the organization right uh, diversity is a, is, a, is a big focus you know uh, yeah. especially on gender so in africa if i reflect the number right again i think we are running close to around 36% you know which which is uh, far better than uh, so, so some of the you know other countries that we you know work on and that is that is uh, a big priority uh, that we do you know in terms of diversity as well i yeah. mean these are some of the basic pillars that we are focusing on so that it becomes a sustainable you know growth story you know for us yeah for sure and i mean that talent transformation program that's so interesting because so many people say they have people who may be qualified but they don't have the skills to do the work just yet and is that is that transfer to get them almost job ready i don't know if that's a the right word but it's it's um job ready so how do you convert someone who's qualified to someone now who can actually add value to the organization absolutely um, absolutely yeah and is that things that you do internationally that you're just applying to south africa oh absolutely we have a very extremely yeah. strong talent transformation engine see end of the day we are uh, 180000 people organization right uh, for yeah. us it's all about talent the our business being an it services company it's all about people and talent i mean they they are our assets you know they are our usp right yeah so so and every quarter you know we we i, I think in, in post the last quarter we announced that uh, the whole of this year uh, we would be hiring close to around if i recollect the number right you know close to around 30000 freshers you know wow right so so this is part of our job right? this is part of the organization you know how do we keep grooming talent right so that is one yeah. and that is the that is 
largely talking about the fresh intake of you know talent yeah. and how do we make them ready you know to face the market face clients productive etc and do you have any principles for success when you do that as an organization that transcends geographies or countries yeah i think uh, see you know, the 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 success measure is in terms of uh, how many you you are able to intake right yeah. and and how many you are finally able to deploy at 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 uh, at at a program you know at a, at yeah. a, a program and and uh, so it's a it's a just a tricky thing you know how do we measure you know the those stuff if you have a, a talent intake of 100 you know you may not be successful in making all the 100 you know sure. productive or, or billable right what, what, so, do you find that there's any principles that drives more success versus the failure so are there things that you know you do that drives that improvement of success yeah so i i, I think a, a, a lot to do with is is um, number one when you go in and uh, attract international talent you know for example right you know in in south africa when you go you know, to south africa look at locals or any other country and look at locals i think yeah. it's it's very important to one is the technical part you know of of the yeah. job now and if you ask yeah. me the technical part possibly could be the easier part you know uh, yeah. to be able to groom people train people you know etc etc right uh, the the second is the cultural you know, yeah. aspect, you know how, how do we how do we get them to understand your organization better right and how do you as an organization you know understand the local culture you know better right uh, so i i think these are the two broad things that we focus on in terms of the softer aspect you know as well yeah. as uh, the the technical you know as, aspect of uh, you know things um i think on the technical aspect in terms of success it's largely you know uh aptitude in any country yeah uh, if you take any country it might be a certain percentage and that percentage will continue you know etc the yeah. softer aspect is 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 a little more trickier especially when it comes to millennials new age you know a lot of people yeah. because because they want an organization to work in a certain way for example you know or, or they want a certain style yeah. of work environment right now yeah. being able to adapt and and provide that to them you know is is yeah. is, is the is is the challenge so i i don't think there's my personal experience i don't think there is there is a, a one answer that fits everything you know uh, but i think yeah. uh, looking at markets to markets you know we 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 kind of fine tune our talent transformation engine you know to so so yeah. that we, we try and get the maximum you know success you know out of it yeah so it's not rigid it has to be adaptable to the different cultures and the talent pool and what's happening Absolutely. correct you know if you, if you look at exactly what you said you know a design for example to to us yeah. it's 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 a it's a good part of our business right but design yeah. is 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 um uh it, it's it's a lot to do with how creative a person is right right so yeah. so they need a certain environment you know to bring that creative side you know of things right but then if you if you look at the other end of uh, it you know there could be certain you know uh, repetitive jobs that people do so both both these teams would need a very different kind of a uh, you know uh, environment you not know, to kind of work yeah. In, right so yeah so there are various things that go but talent transformation you know uh, just to add is not only about freshers being ready for the job you know in in our industry we changes so fast right you need to always ensure that talent uh, is 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 transformed at any point in time right we're so transforming now, like, absolutely so now, now you know the, the cloud is a buzzword right you know so how yeah. do we get 
and many of the organizations many of our client organization get stuck with that you know they yeah. they have a team that they have built but all yeah. are fast fast becoming legacy you know people, yeah. right so they yeah. they in the next 5 years they probably may not fit into the new way of working yeah you know? so for us as 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 a technology company and a services company this is extremely critical you know how do we reinvent ourselves you know how do we retrain yeah. our people right yeah. how do we cross skill our people and that and that, yeah. there again talent transformation plays an extremely critical Role. Yeah, but I mean, Thomas, it almost segues nicely to talk about you for a second because you know we've talked about Wipro, you know, you in the oils, now you into cloud and everything, and how actually you've pivoted as a whole organization and you've transformed, right? And then you're even now transforming even more within the digital transformation yourself. And then if I look at you and I see someone who's from India, been very successful in Saudi, coming now to Africa and driving growth. and doing it a completely new way i mean um you obviously got some very strong leadership capabilities where, where do you think you got that from is that is that from your parents is that from you know where where did these strong beliefs or attributes come from i think uh, actually i come from a family of uh, teachers right i was the odd one out you know actually you know so so if you look at uh my 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 grandparents the you know, to my parents the you know, to my sister you know, all all of them teach all right and uh, my father was a botanist my sister is a botanist right uh my mother was into you know mathematics so i was the odd one out who went into engineering you know so uh but but i think uh, what what the family taught me is is more on the value systems right yeah uh, uh on, on fundamentals of um, integrity transparency uh, etc etc so some of these value systems has been imbibed you know from from uh, from the family side but i was also very fortunate to work with uh, some of the greatest leaders in the industry you know uh, mm. and 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 a lot that i've learned from business you know, on the business side of things i think uh, i should thank uh, to some of the leaders that i have worked with and also to my teams uh, because every every new place that i go to right you know uh, there, there's a lot to learn you know from your teams right you know and there's a lot of adjustment that you do you know to 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 ensure that uh, you know the, the you get the maximum outcome you know or the best outcome you know from from teams so i have worked in multiple locations you know uh, i worked in i worked in uk i worked in multiple cities in india for example you know and like what you said in india also cape town joburg same thing you know bombay is very different from calcutta to you know delhi to so so i worked across india i worked with various teams across these places i worked in uk middle east etc so every time you go you know it's a, it's a huge learning experience right yeah. and that's that that just makes you a better better and better you know professional you know as you go as long yeah. as you kind of uh, taken yeah so so to answer your question i think a lot to do with value system i think i learned from home uh, a lot to yeah. do with the business you know and how to be successful in business i i think i learned it from my ecosystem of of leaders i worked with as well as my teams so i mean often like what gets talked around is about success but in you know what what i've seen is a lot of leaders actually success comes from some failure or challenge that they overcome um and is there any and and i I was speaking to our coach. We've got a coach who lives in Mexico, and he says every Friday. I'm going to swear now. I do apologize, but he said every Friday in Mexico there's a CEO fuck up, 
meeting where the CEO talks where he messed up and it's to build trust and all those sorts of things. And so it's quite difficult, right, to say where we messed up. But obviously, I find my biggest learnings are from the biggest challenges I had in our life. And I suppose it's, it's almost like the, the transformation that organization is going through now. It's quite a challenge but it's obviously building that capability for the future. Is there any, any challenges that you went through in your life that you think has, has sort of got you to where you are? Well, I think many. <laughs> I guess <laughs> many, many, uh, uh, many challenges I've, I've had you know, through, through my career, right? I mean, I, mean I, can, I, can, I can start from, you know, even my, my first year at work, for example, you know, it was, it, it was a, a, a very tough environment, you know, though I did my engineering, uh, yeah. I, I, I must ad- admit I was not the most tech savvy person, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, and I, I was more on the technical side when I first started my career. And I was yeah. sent to one of, those, one of those remote places to manage and, and run our technical support there, uh, just out of college, you know, and I, for example, yeah. that, that, that opened my eyes in terms of the the, the struggle that I really went through. Um, yeah. uh, you know, led me to believe like, listen, you know, I'm probably getting into something which is not my cup of tea, you know, or not something <laughs> which I really enjoy. So maybe I should kind of change tracks, you know, somewhere. And which I yeah. did. I mean, that's that's the, probably the very first first uh, year of uh, my my work. But but I think a little later, uh, I I did uh, I did try something on my own, right? Uh, okay. So, and uh, I, I, I did that for almost a year and a half or so with, with, with a few friends of mine. That's a small startup. We had big dreams, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but but I, I, I think uh, pretty much everything went wrong there, you know, in terms of, of our entire, the way we planned, the industries that we wanted to address, you know, how, how we are going to address it, etc. I think that was, uh, that was uh, a big learning experience. You know, and I was yeah. pretty young that time. It was I yeah. was very young. I was fortunate to to have tried it at that that time. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but then you also you also know and and uh, you know during that one and a half years where we were trying to keep our head above water, uh, we did go and hire a lot of people. You know, from the market. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and a lot of people uh, came in. Uh, into our organization trusting for example i mean i had a few set of people you know who who came into my organization trusting me you know okay you yeah know? Uh, and and then when you know that it's not going anywhere uh but how do you how do you make sure that you know you you place them somewhere else how do you make sure that their career is secure and you know because of my screw up you know it shouldn't be that you know you kind of derail their career right yeah, yeah. so to me personally you know that particular experience of of outplacing people who I hired, right, and making sure that their careers were secure, I think I think was a tremendous satisfying experience. I would say, you know, and to make sure that you know that one and a half years that they worked with me didn't actually probably derail their entire you know career, right? So uh, so it was a tough job, you know, to to I personally had to instead of me going and finding job for myself, it was I think I was trying to use all my network to try and get jobs from all my, you know, uh, colleagues, you know, who, who had actually trusted me and joined me. And mm. this was, I'm talking about sometime in, uh, in, in the 2000s, right, at that time. I think that, that, that was a, a tremendous learning experience, you know. It, uh, it, was, a, it was a big failure. Personally, obviously, you know, you learn a lot from that. 
doing a startup is not easy right you know um, i i i moved from a, a large corporation you know to a medium sized corporation and then a startup and there's so much you learn you know from a startup you know the what you take things for granted otherwise when you work for a large you know outfit right Uh, when you work for a company like Wipro, obviously we are cash rich, etc. You know you don't feel the pain on small small issues. But then, obviously in a startup, it's like you know if you don't have money, how do you pay a salary on the first? You know, starting with simple issues like these, right? I think it is a great learning experience. And then post which in in business, uh, obviously you end up making uh, you know mistakes. You there there are judgment errors you know that that you make, right? and uh, and i think i had a fair share and every every learning has been uh, every 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 mistake has been a learning experience and it's important as long as as you treat these errors as uh, a learning experience i think you just come out uh, in a better shape wow yeah i mean that's it sort of speaks to you actually i can believe that story um but it it It, I think that sort of talks about to why you're doing so well and why you've done so well is that trust you looking after people and considering people some of that servant leadership um and, I believe and I, that I, I fully believe in that yeah I I think you live it more than believe it uh you can see it right so so that's really awesome mate and that's so great to know that about you so just finally before we finish off I suppose I just want to go back to Africa and South Africa obviously we've had some challenging times in the last couple of weeks in South Africa in particular i think globally like it's it's been drastic uh equality diversity had all these challenges with covid um you seem so optimistic you've got that experience with saudi and other countries what do you see in south africa and africa i think uh, see as a, as a continent you know or or even if you take few countries so we while while um, Uh, our focus is sub-Saharan Africa. So at this yeah. stage, as a business, I'm fairly clear that you know my a large part of my focus will be in South Africa and Kenya, right? You know, yeah. And uh, and and we we reach to a certain dominant position and then probably look at you know expanding you know further. And we don't want to boil the ocean. We want to remain focused, you know, in terms of what okay. we do, right? Um, I I believe the the market is fairly significant. It's a big market. right it's not a you know south africa just just as a market it's it's a, it's a 10 billion dollar you know industry you know uh, yeah. and, and that's not that by no means is 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 small in any way yeah. right that's uh, that's that's point number 1 uh, point number 2 is that the, the entire african continent you know is actually going through this entire transformation right yeah um, if if you look at a, a, a lot of the south african banks for example you know are still on legacy platforms right they have not yet made the transformation still or they are in the process of making the transformation right they do have a plan they do have a vision but but it to be executed now how do they execute it etc i think is is where large large part of the industries are currently right now i i my confidence also comes from the fact that this entire transformation would need partners who have capability Or, or people who have done something you know similar you know in the past and we have you take any industry for that matter you know uh, whether it is banking insurance airports for example you know how do we help airports to optimize cost and especially in this time uh, because yeah. uh, airports are are not uh, not working in in full potential right a uh, cost becomes a big headache you know how yeah. how the revenue comes that that comes from airlines is dwindling down 
so how do you help airports to generate more revenue through non non aero no revenue streams right how do how do we help to bring their cost down so i yeah. think these are the challenges that i think world over people have have gone through i think africa is going through right now and i think yeah. uh, we bring in that kind of experience uh, you know to be able to you know kind of partner right so that is so that is uh, the point point number 1 where it's a big market it's a market which is under transformation and we as yeah. an organization have the capability in any industry that you take to be able to enable customers to that you know to that transformation yeah right um so that that kind of part, that kind of organization today the business that we do are are not the traditional business that that we are doing in south africa uh, i mean of course there is a lot of traditional business also but i'm saying we are talking about helping customers on customer journey design you know how do you design yeah. a customer journey right uh, we are talking about uh, a blockchain related you know work you know, that we are doing you know for for certain people right process management etc so, so a lot to, to is to do with the new way of working you know yeah. cloud application organization yeah. etc yeah, etc et right now i uh, uh, i i believe that uh, many of our peers you know uh, in in that market probably have have not brought in their their, their entire capability into this right helping helping clients there um, yeah. and and i think that is where i we can play a key role because we unlike some of the global big players you know we we obviously have the international experience right so we have worked with telecom companies help them transform we have worked with banking help them transform airports like i said you know you take any of them so so that is a yeah. key differentiator for us vis-a-vis some of our local you know peers right yeah. and uh, and and secondly wipro as an organization you know uh, i again personally believe i have spent close to two decades in the company i think our our hunger and appetite to do business you know in 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 is 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 probably far superior to again you know some of our peers right um and that win win yeah it's a, it's a, it's a win win i mean uh, saudi yeah. was a classic example right you know i think yeah. a lot of organizations used to sit out of dubai you know and operate and try and operate in saudi right whereas i think one of our key differentiators where we went straight into saudi you know and and operated directly from saudi and not just fly in people fly out people etc so you show far more commitment you know and 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 hence uh, you are far more successful you know over a period of time so mm-hmm. i believe that we uh, we we uh, uh, given the market potential uh, given the transformation you know that uh, the 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 countries uh, the continent is going through and given our appetite uh, i i believe that uh, we can emerge as a you know very strong you know player in this market Sure. We've got an event that we did three years in a row now, Africa Tech Week, and I'm going to invite you as a speaker there to come and come and join us because I think it's one of the biggest issues that um, certainly South Africa has is, is, is a big dominance or reliance on the big corporates and the opportunity is digital transformation. And so we need new entrepreneurs and partnerships, but we also need to make sure that the big organizations are thriving and transformed as well um and so i see these big opportunities um in south africa and africa um it's almost like staying the course right it's like you had with saudis things go wrong but and people get scared and like ah but actually if you think the long term absolutely absolutely so i i i think it's a, it's a great market you know for the long term i think it has it has great potential 
um i think they will uh, the, the market has been struggling you know for the right service providers and a classic example is is when the pandemic hit us right uh, and when suddenly everything had to be work from home uh, you know an organization like wipro you know we were able to manage it fairly easily but if you look at many organizations struggle through that phase right which which kind of impacted you know uh, their customers you know for example if somebody was running a call center operation a simple call center operation right and suddenly everything overnight had to be work from home and if you're not ready to do that and adapt you know and be as versatile to be able to adapt to the new model uh, you you end up uh, you end up making a customer suffer right and we've seen yeah. that change you know in the last four quarters i've seen that happening in in south africa yeah. where the when when the central lockdown was announced and it's what was work from home i think we, a lot of people went through a lot of heartburn you know to get uh, things right right yeah uh, so so you need the right partner you need the right partner with the right capability uh, i i i strongly believe that wipro has it you know to be able to you know transform the customers in africa awesome it's so great to speak to you and we've done this twice now this one was successful which is great but obviously we great to have a coffee with you uh, in cape town sometime or or joburg when things settle down again so um we wish you all the best of luck for the for the future with Wipro in in Africa. Thank you. Thank you Ralph and best wishes to you as well. So we will catch up sometime soon. Hopefully, you know. <laughs> no, we will. <laughs> okay.